we are continuing our sermon series through the book of Ephesians. So go ahead and get your Bibles out. Uh, if you did not bring a Bible, would you raise your hand and we will have someone pass those out to you. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, you can keep this Bible as our gift to you. Uh, we want everybody in God's Word. So go ahead and get into ch Ephesians chapter 3. And today, uh, we are looking at, we're finishing up chapter 3. We're about halfway through this book. And we are looking at a prayer today, a prayer of the Apostle Paul. And uh, let me just ask you this. Have you ever been prayed for? Has someone ever prayed for you? We can do a show of hands. Get a little crowd participation. There we go. Someone has prayed for you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that nice when someone prays for you? Someone comes uh, uh, on your behalf and, and offers a, a prayer request for you, uh, especially when you're, um, you're kind of going through something tough and it's hard to maybe see clearly and, and someone prays for you and they kind of remind you of Scripture. They remind you of how, that God is in control. Um, but you can't, here's the thing, you can't control what someone prays for you. You don't know what they're going to ask God for. In fact, I remember one time in college, uh, a similar situation where uh, we were praying before coming up to lead worship. We're in a room, and uh, everybody's eyes are closed, as you do in like a little prayer meeting. And um, the pastor of this church, he was a giant man. He was like 6'3 or something like that. And he had giant man hands. And I'm praying nice and quiet, as, as you should. And, and he came and just planted his giant hand right into my chest um, and starts praying for me. Now, now first of all, he, he's kind of broken the, the wall, my space, especially I just wasn't expecting it. So he's already here, and then he starts praying all sorts of stuff, just, God, that, that you would help Ben, and, and that he would just suffer for the gospel, and that has trials and tribulations. And I was like, whoa, 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 dude, like, keep your prayers to yourself, man. Like, how, let's Let's pray for patience. I can deal with that, but don't, you can't control what someone prays for you. Um, how about, has anyone ever prayed for someone else? Show of hands. In this room, I'm sure we have represented all sorts of family members and loved ones who we are praying for. Um, maybe even praying for them to, to know Jesus, to come to Christ for salvation. And I challenge you, every week we pass out the registers, every single week. And every week we talk about, write your name on top, right? Write your prayer request. Would you write down that person's name? I do, it, do it every week for, for the next 10 years. It doesn't matter. We are going to join you in praying for those people that we love to come to know Jesus. So write down their name. Um, and as we are praying for someone, just like we can't control what someone prays for us, we can't control how people will respond uh, to the truth of God, to, to, to our prayers. Uh, my mom and dad are in the house today. Way to go, David and Diana Garcia. My parents are prayer warriors. I can't tell you, I don't even know how many prayers my mom has prayed for me. But here's the thing, I, I've made some bad decisions in my life. Uh, despite her prayers and her faithfulness in praying for me, I have not chosen the right path every time. Now, we're not going to get into that today. Don't worry, Mom. <laughs> uh, we're not getting into that. But... We're looking at a prayer here. And so it's the prayer of Paul, and Paul is praying specifically for the Ephesian church. But because it is, uh, we, we believe God inspired it and it is in God's word, we can believe then that Paul's prayer for the church is God's desire for you and me today. And you can't control what Paul prayed for you. 
It's already out there. You can't control what God's desire is, but you can control how you respond to it. And you're going to have to respond. You're either going to walk out unchanged or you're going to make some changes in your life as we respond to God's word. But let me just tell you, as we open to chapter 3, here's the main idea of this morning. God's desire is for you to be strengthened inwardly to display his glory outwardly. And we're going to see that all throughout this prayer. But we're going to start with Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So our first point this morning is pursue spiritual strength so that you live like Christ. Pursue spiritual strength so that you live like Christ. Uh, So first thing, in verse 14, he says, for this reason. For what reason, Paul? Uh, For that, we have to go back to Ephesians 2. Now, Pastor Jeff preached on this, and, and it's right there in your Bible. So go back and read. Go back and listen to the sermon if you want the details. But basically, this is what happens in chapter 2. Um, grown-ups are changing their minds. Uh, now, that's not a small thing. It's not, it's not easy for adults to change their mind. Every now and then, there is a well-intentioned waitress who wants to tell me that Dr. Pepper is the same as Mr. Pip. I wish a waitress would try to tell me that this drink tastes the same as that drink. Why isn't it just the same drink? Because it's not. There's one that is far superior to the other. And that's just about an awesome drink, much less we have this, this church back in the day, and we have a group of people, the Jews, who are looking down upon the Gentiles because we're the chosen people and you're not. And the Gentiles are used to being looked down on, so they return the favor and they look down on the Jews. And, but we see in chapter 2 that God has broke down the wall of hostility, and people who were strangers and aliens are now part of God's family. This is an awesome thing. God is at work in the uh, Ephesian church, but it's not easy. And so we go to verse 14. He says, for this reason, for, because all these awesome things are happening, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, which might be a, 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 it's an interesting title for God, but when we're talking about people from different families, different backgrounds, it's, a, it, it's a appropriate for the situation that according to the riches of glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. Um, Anyone feeling powerful this morning? Show of hands, who's feeling the power this morning? Look, when we talk about um, the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, there there could be, um, depending on how you grew up, you could have a positive or maybe a negative. Maybe some of your experience is some horrible TV preacher who the Holy Spirit was telling you to give him $700 and he'll double it in three days, whatever. Or, or maybe you grew up in a, in a really healthy church that, was, um, that, uh, that um, dealt with the Holy Spirit in a, in a healthy way. But let me just uh, try to bring some clarity to what Paul would mean here when he says that we would be strengthened um, with power through his Spirit. Did you know, Pastor Jeff, did you know that God is the originator of the thought, teamwork makes the dream work? I found that in one of the commentaries. Don't worry about it. You probably won't find it. It's just hard. But teamwork makes the dream work. And, and I thought of this because, uh, one, I use that slogan very often because I am a dad, and dads say things like that. But in John 14, and I'm going to have it on the screen for you right here. John 14, 26, 
And this is Jesus talking. And he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So, like I said, God's all about teamwork. You want to know what the Holy Spirit says? Look at the team. Um, we have God the Father ascending the Holy Spirit. And what's the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to teach us. Uh, and he's going to bring to remembrance all that Jesus has said. How do we know what Jesus said? Right here, God's word. Um, if someone is telling you that uh, the Spirit told them to do something, well, we'll go to God's word. If the God's word isn't, isn't aligning with that, well, that's not, part, that's not what the team is all about. God, God is about uh, what Jesus, uh, God supports Jesus, um, the Spirit supports Jesus, Jesus supports the Father. Um, so when we pursue spiritual strength, we do so by responding to God's word. We, we respond to God's word. So a couple weeks back, we preached on forgiveness. Pastor Jeff said that we forgive without limits. Now, when he said that, you might have had that person in your heart that you needed to forgive. Right then in that moment. Um, did you go out and, and get some forgiveness going? How you respond to God's word is how you'll be strengthened in your spirit because that's going to happen over and over again. Or what about, um, we just talked about uh, uh, our Go Beyond initiative. We're going to make Easter baskets. The, the Bible has called us to serve those in need, to seek the welfare of our city. And um, how we respond to that is going to strengthen our spirit as we continue to serve those around us. Um, Billy Graham said that the Holy Spirit illuminates the minds of people, makes us yearn for God, and takes spiritual truth and makes it understandable to us. If you ever wonder or get caught up in, in, in what the Holy Spirit does, just think about that. It takes spiritual truth and makes it understandable to us. But we're not strengthened just to flex our spiritual muscles or to, to do something uh, that's just impressive for the sake of that. But we pursue spiritual strength so that we live more like Christ. Um, so when I, before I was married, uh, I lived with my little brother in an apartment in Dallas. Now let me tell you, this apartment was not awesome. Um, it was very small. It was a one-bedroom. We had mattresses on the floor. Uh, I think the, the most decor we had was our, like, DVD tower of our collection. It mostly smelled of like hot Cheetos and, and hamburger helper. That was kind of our, our deal back then. A little Tabasco sauce. It's, it's awesome. Um, but when I got married and moved in to my wife's apartment, uh, how much of my old apartment do you think I brought with me? Pretty much my clothes. I mean, why would I? I was, I was getting an upgrade here. My wife has the talent to make uh, a, a home look beautiful. She takes Pinterest and fixer upper and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there are things in my house whose sole purpose is to look pretty on a wall. It does nothing else. Why would I take my uh, old smelly apartment and try to fit it into this situation? I was getting an upgrade. I was getting something better. And when Christ moves in, uh, as the scripture says, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that's talking about Christ making a home in your heart. When Christ moves in, he's going to want to rearrange some things, rearrange some priorities. He's going to throw out old bad habits and replace them with godliness. But you got to start letting some stuff go. You got to start choosing what, 
what is leading you to godliness and what is part of that old, uh, the old sinful self. How do I let Christ dwell? You pursue spiritual strength. How do I pursue spiritual strength? You respond to God's word. Why? Because Jesus is better than what you used to have. Now, we've said that a bunch of times. But I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, Jesus is better. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is better. Can I tell you, we have a song that says the exact words, Jesus is better. We've had sermon after sermon that says the words, Jesus is better. And yet, here we are again preaching it because, hey, we are weak and we need to be strengthened. But you have to want it. You have to need it. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You have to love Christ more than your stuff. Love Christ more than your sin. And, and make no mistake, we love our sin. We love it and we hide it. We want to we uh, uh, show out for our, our friends and our family here on Sunday. But we got, we got our stuff. Listen, Jesus is better than the old stuff. And that's why we need to be strengthened. God's desire is for you to be strengthened inwardly to display his glory outwardly. Let's keep going. Ephesians, we're going to jump back into verse 17. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So our second point is know the love of God Taking notes, know the love of God so that you are filled with the fullness of God. Now, I was reading this because, you know, I would like to prepare for something like this. And I'm thinking, I started, I'm, I'm, kind, of a, I'm kind of a sarcastic guy. And um, I was thinking, I started having a conversation with the Apostle Paul, just in my head. And it went something like this. Hey, hey Brother Paul, hey, I appreciate it, man. I remember you were praying for me. What, what is it that you wanted me to do? And then Paul would say, oh, I want you to um, know Christ's love. Oh, man, Brother Paul, that, that sounds awesome. Like, I, I want to do that. How, how do I go about doing that? And then Paul, with a smirk, turns to me and says, oh, <laughs> it's unknowable. <laughs> Good luck. Now, that's, Paul's not, well, maybe he was, I don't know. He's not as sarcastic as I was. At least our, our scripture this morning is not as sarcastic as I am. But how do we know something that is unknowable? Is this, is this some kind of a scripture riddle? And I started thinking about this and really pondering how do we do this. And I was reminded of one of the songs that we sing, especially during Easter time. And uh, the, the beginning is, um, How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Now that, that song, whoever wrote it, um, uh, I'm, I'm sure they were thinking about the deep love of Jesus, the, the breadth and the height and all that. But what their, their, uh, their frame of reference for this deep love was the cross. Um. One way to begin to know the unknowable love of Christ is to look at the depths of our sin that led Christ to the cross. The other part of the second verse is, It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. It was my sin. 
when I see the, the, the depth and width and height of, of my sin, I see, begin to get a glimpse at the unknowable love of Christ. Have you ever had that feeling that your sin was too great? Uh, too dark? Have you ever thought that, um, man, I, I've come to God with this same sin over, I can't get victory, I'm not even going to bring it to him anymore. I'm not even going to try because it's too much. Jesus' love is bigger than that. Jesus' love is bigger than your doubt that you will be forgiven. Trust me, you will. God is faithful and just. Faithful means he's always going to do it. He's always going to show up for forgiveness. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is bigger and better and stronger. Surely, surely Paul, formerly known as Saul, experienced this love. Maybe this is why he had this prayer for the church. Surely Paul, who imprisoned Christians, who even killed Christians in the wee hours of the night and the morning, was laying in bed just in agony over his past. When he came to a certain people wanting to do God's work and they cower in fear, oh, that's, that's Saul, the guy who killed us? Yeah, we're not going to, no, no, I'm changed, I promise, guys, for real. I can't imagine how the, that hurt just kept reoccurring in his life and in his ministry, people who knew his old self. But Paul is saying, hey, if you want to grow in strength, know the love of God so that you'll be filled with the fullness of God. Now, here's another one of those little riddles I had. How are you filled with the fullness of God? I can no more fill my, my grande Starbucks cup that I had this morning with the waters of the Potomac. And then make the Potomac an infinite, you know, all-powerful God, and, and there's really no chance. Um, I found a quote by a pastor named Ray Ortland, and, and he kind of explains the fullness of God like this. Um, that is that we will be so satisfied in all that God is for us in Christ that sin loses its power and the things of this world lose their charm. And we find in God our final happiness. Know the love of God so that you're filled with the fullness of God. See, God, God is, God is uh, uh, super big. He's very big. Um, and, and one of the ways that I can always prove this or, or that I can uh, kind of drive myself crazy is, um, have you ever thought, so Genesis 1-1 is, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Have you ever thought about like Genesis 0? Like negative Genesis 1-1? Like, what, what was happening? What did it look like? I mean, everything I can think of is something that's already been created. What was color? The words that I'm using, the words haven't even been created yet. So how can I even describe it? Because words don't even exist. Uh, what, was it just blackness? What did he, blackness even? Like, I just started going crazy just thinking... Uh, trying to imagine what God was doing before he started creating the world. So how can I, the finite being, uh, know such a huge God? But that is the miracle of the gospel because that's why, how, why we need to know the immeasurable love of Christ first. This is an if-then situation. Uh, if you know the immeasurable love of Christ so that you'll be filled with the fullness of God because uh, 
Jesus is God become flesh. So many religions would ask us to, to work hard to, to get to God, and God said, hey, I'm going to come down to you. God, Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So when you know who you are in Christ, you can be filled with the fullness of God because Christ is himself God. Christ is the, rep- the, the, the physical representation of who God is. He is God himself. And when you're filled with the fullness of God, the things in your life are going to start changing. When you're filled with the fullness of God, not only are things going to start changing, but people are going to notice. Husbands, your wife is going to notice some things about you. Going to notice maybe some patience, maybe some humility. Wives, your husband's going to notice uh, if you are being filled with the fullness of God. Um, your friends are going to notice uh, when you are different from what they have known of you. Do you have any friends like that who, who, who know the old you and want to even interact with you how you used to, but now, you're, now they say like a bad word and they're like, oh, sorry, brother, I know you go to church. Uh, uh, that doesn't change. You already said it. it doesn't. Oh, you want to go to the movies? Oh, sorry, bro. It's, uh, it's R-rated. I just know that uh, you're, you're Jesus, right? People are going to notice. When you're living in the fullness of God, people are going to notice. Uh, I thought of, uh, I was inspired by the uh, words of uh, one Buddy the Elf. I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. Uh, when we're filled with the fullness of God, we, I don't care who knows it. I'm going to get hyped about it. And I want you to know about it too. I want you to experience the same love. The same love that, hey, I was in, in the darkness of my sin. I was crying and God, I don't know what to do. And God saved me. Now I have a song to sing. Uh, I was the lost sheep. And God, the shepherd, the good shepherd, came and found me. God's desire is for you to be strengthened inwardly to display his glory outwardly. Now, we're coming to the end. The end is, is the best part of this, I think. But here's the thing. Uh, this could be just another one of those sermons. And in fact, you probably are thinking, oh, I appreciate it, Ben. Good talk. Um, but this must be for the super Christians. This must be for those who have already been in it. This, this sounds too big. This sounds too heady, too much, too much Bible for me. Um, this must be just for Pastor Jeff. And if, if it wasn't for, for, for Jesus, Pastor Jeff would just be another Buckeye fan. I'm telling you. He would have the paint and everything. But Jesus has changed his life. Listen, this is, this is for everyone. Uh, and, and I'm with you, man. I've been there. Uh, a few years back, I was at, in Chicago at Harvest University. This is probably about three, four years ago. And Harvest University is a big conference for all the Harvest Bible Chapel churches to come and celebrate what God is doing around the world. And at this particular one, they showed a video. We've actually showed that same video here a couple times. But uh, it was of a church in Malaysia who had lost their pastor. In fact, their pastor had been murdered. Horrible. And right there, one of the the speakers who was kind of introducing this video, he said, I believe that even in this room is the man who will lead this church in Malaysia. God's calling you. Come talk to me afterward. Now, can I tell you how much time it took me to know that that wasn't me? Like, man, I'm, I'm just going to be sure with you. Like, he didn't even have to ask, and I knew, hey, I'm not. Like, if I said, hey, hey if I was talking to my wife. My wife is awesome. But if I said, hey, babe, I, I really feel that God's calling me to Malaysia, she would quickly answer, well, good, because God's not calling me. I knew right away. That wasn't me. But in that room, 
was a man named Nate Newell. And Nate was just here a few weeks back. And Nate Newell saw that video. Nate Newell heard that call and responded to the need. And now he's been the pastor of of Harvest Kuala Lumpur for the last like four years. But here's the thing. Nate's not a super Christian. He just responded to what his next step was. That was his. Nate's step was not my step, but I still need to take a step. Look, my step isn't yours, but you still need to take a step. Um, And that's why these next few verses are so important. Because right now you're thinking, no, I can't, man. I can't do it. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know where to start. And here we are, last few verses. Now, to him. Do you? No, no, no. No, to him. Not to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He is able to do it. He is able. What is he able to do? Right there in the text. Far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Many times uh, I've gotten here early, or for the past five years I've gotten to this church early to help set up. And there's been times where I'm here by myself before everybody gets here. And I've stood right here on this stage, totally empty, nobody in here, and I just thought, man, how awesome would it be to see all these seats full of people, full of people just singing and praising God, full of people taking notes just like you are. Now, as awesome as that thought is for me, God's like, oh, numbers? Oh, man, you want the seats filled? I'm about changing hearts. God says, I can do far above. I can do uh, far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Oh, you just want to fill the seats? God is able to do much more than we can think or even ask. To him be glory. Where? In the church. To him be glory in the church. And I'm convinced more than ever, as we see people like Nate Newell go to Malaysia, as we see um, uh, Harvest Annapolis serving up there in Maryland, and we see other church plants in the area, that God's tool to spread the gospel is the local church. And I'm not talking about a where, I'm talking about a who, and that who is you. I've been, that was a little Dr. Susie right there, wasn't it? I didn't have that one written down. That was a little freestyle for you. Listen, the church is you, and we are called to bring glory to God uh, and in Christ Jesus. And when is Christ Jesus going to be glorified? Throughout all generations. Listen, I don't know, I don't know who the pastor of the Ephesian church was. I, I don't know how they met every week. I don't know who the worship leader was for Ephesians church. I don't know who the kids director was. I don't know who brought the snacks. But I know that they were faithful with God's word. I know because even in chapter 1, Paul's going to say, hey, I've heard about you guys. I've heard that you're growing in faith and love. I've heard about all these things that have been happening in chapter 2. Look, the Ephesian church was not some super church, but they were faithful with what God had given them. They were faithful with what Paul was teaching them. And now it's our turn, church. It's our turn. I'm going to go and ask the band to come up because I usually am. For those of you who don't know, I'm usually the music guy in this situation. And I like to have the, the, the music behind me because we need the music to kind of stir us up a little bit. You say, oh, well, you're just going for the emotions, Ben. You believe, I, better believe I'm going for the emotions. Look, we need some emotion in our hearts. We need some passion 
to come and be here every week when it's freezing cold outside setting up this church. We need some passion to, to make some Easter baskets so that, so that some women who need it get some necessities for their kids. We need some passion. We need some emotion to drive us to get to small group every week when it's not fun. Believe me, I don't want to go to small group when it's freezing outside. This Texan hates the cold. But I'm going to get my butt up and get to small group, and I'm going to invest in the people in small group. I want to invest in the people of this church. We need some passion. Because it's God's desire for you and me to be strengthened inwardly, to display his glory outwardly. We can't do it, church. If we could, we would have done it already. We need God to do it. We need God to, uh, oh, to, to uh, bring some racial reconciliation into our country. We can't. Only Jesus can. We, we need um, to break the patterns of alcoholism and, and lust and pornography and abuse that we've seen in our family. We can't. Only Jesus can. Say that with me. We can't. Only Jesus can. So I want you to stand up. Come on. I'm getting hyped up here. We're going to respond now to God's word. We're going to be strengthened inwardly and respond outwardly. So I want you to can you put your hands together. All right. I want you to repeat after me. Ready? He can. He can do it. Yes, he can. Sing. He can do it. Yes, he Sing it again. He can. He can do it. Yes. Put a smile on your face. Sing it. He can do it. Yes, he can. He will prove it. I got it. Save us, redeem us, create a new life in us. Only Jesus can.